Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us today. Regardless of what business you're in, there is today a greater need than ever for highlighting environmental and social initiatives. But unfortunately, those causes and everything they represent are sometimes drowned out by the latest headline of the day. But the increased level of social and environmental awareness and the urgency isn't about to go away. In fact, these issues are only becoming more pressing and the noise is only going to get louder and more urgent. And so we all need to own our contribution and stop waiting for someone else to fix it, whatever the it represents. My guest on today's podcast is Mara Gordine, who is the Global Culture Ambassador at John Paul Mitchell Systems. And behind that impressive title, Mara is very much involved in the corporate side of directing and contributing to making change happen. In my conversation today, my objective is to keep coming back to how salon owners and stylists can adapt what big business does and integrate those ideas into what a salon business can do. In today's podcast, we will discuss what Mara's job is on a daily basis, the wider responsibilities of businesses today, the importance for greater diversity and inclusivity in every business, and how salons can include the wider community into more local, environmental, and social initiatives, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mara Gordine. Oh, so fantastic to be able to be here with you, Anthony. And how are you? I am very good, thank you. And it's uh, lovely to be able to chat to you and see you over Zoom. Obviously, I'm in the UK and you're in lovely, sunny California. I can see the sun shining out the, the behind you. Uh, so lucky you. Uh, but I've been really looking forward to getting you on this show today to have a talk to you because you know, you um, are, are, well, you're one of very many special people in the company, but you have this wonderful title at John Paul Mitchell Systems, and it is called Global Culture Ambassador. And I've never met anybody with that title before, and I'm sure that nobody else listening to this has either. So let's just start off with that. What does Global Culture Ambassador actually mean? Oh, Anthony, it's a wonderful question. And isn't it a fun title to say? I do always feel like I need a trumpet following behind me and somebody <laughs> ahead of me, you know, tossing rose petals. <laughs> Global Culture Ambassador. I've been so blessed to be given this title. Um, it means all kinds of different things on a different day. But I am the first one that I work for John Paul Mitchell Systems, which is an incredible hair care company geared towards the professional based here in the U.S. US, but we are a global company. And this title and company encompasses corporate wellness, as well as all a representative for all of our philanthropic endeavors. Being a culture ambassador, really every single one of us is an ambassador of our culture. I like to get specific instead of just saying, what's great about John Paul Mitchell Systems? People like to say the culture. Well, is it a giving back culture? Is it a culture based on inclusivity? Is it a culture because of service and loving and kindness? What is it about the culture that makes you proud and excited to be a part of? We spend a lot of time focusing on a healthy work environment. And that only comes from each individual showing up and being ready to really be the one to give back. What's the kind of place that you feel like working in, Anthony? Do you want to work in a place when you're pulling up in your car where you have rocks in your pits of your stomach and you're wondering, oh no, there's that dreaded Mara again? Or would you prefer to pull up to your car and go, oh, 
I'm feeling great. I know I'm going to go into this workplace. I'm going to be seen and um, what I, my my opinions matter. Oh, and I get to see that Mara. She's a ray of sunshine. And I'm going to echo right back that same, that same ray of sunshine and be my best self. So the culture that we that we get to be a part of is what we help to create. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. And we're going to dig into a lot of that because you touched on some really important points there, you know, uh, whether you've got a big business like John Paul Mitchell Systems, which is a a big business, uh, but I often say that it sort of feels like a small business because it has a sort of values of a, of a family still, even though it is a very big company. And, and that is a difficult thing to establish. So it'll be interesting to, to talk to you more about that. But I, I'm curious, how did the position come about in the first place? That's a, that's a great question. So first, I've been with the company, John Paul Mitchell Systems, since 2008. And I was actually originally hired as a show and event coordinator, where at that time, that meant that I traveled with all of our platform artists, which are our hairdressers that are spokespeople that get to be on stage and help to inspire and educate live on, on a show stage. So I unpacked boxes. I unloaded semis. I made sure that when the rock star artists came in, all of their green M&Ms, so to speak, were there and available for them. <laughs> but it was wonderful because I got to travel the world and I got to know all of the different artists, their distributors, the salespeople. And there was something that struck me that was so different. It was regardless of whether or not we spoke the same language, there was the same love in the eyes. And it was number one, love for the beauty industry. But then there was something about the people that really followed and loved this company and this brand and these and the founders, which were originally John Paul DeJoria, as well as Paul Mitchell, the man. And these were men that believed in loving and caring for the planet and for one another. And through this, the, the vehicle is really the the product, but the message behind it was carried through all of these people. Mm. And so that really struck a chord in me. And I felt for the first time, I felt like I found home. And I remember my first day, uh, John Paul DeJoria pulled me aside and we were at the, in Chicago at a hair show. And he pulled me by my elbow and he said, Mara, do you see these people? I said, yes, John Paul. He said, do you see that one with the ring in her nose and that one over there with the polka dot hair? And I said, yes, John Paul. He said, those are our people. We are here for everyone. And although I don't have a ring in my nose or polka dot hair, I've always been a misfit, so to speak, myself. And I thought, okay, then this, this is a place where we all get to belong just for being ourselves. Yeah. And that made me feel I was I was home. Mm. So I got to travel the world and hear all of these different stories from these legacy players within our industry. And I did that for about six years. And then the company decided to have me be in charge of the media team. Okay, Anthony, between you and me and everyone listening right now, I can hardly use my Apple phone. <laughs> so for me to be in charge of media, what I it was it was it was very very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but what I soon realized is that it didn't matter that I myself didn't know how to edit or work the camera. I know how to champion people. So I had inherited a team, and they were very disenfranchised, and there were some big egos on this team, and they had a difficult time working together as well as working with me. But I recognize that if I could just find them, if I could just get them to take a break for themselves for a moment and figure out what their objective was, which was to usually create a beautiful piece of art and an educational tool that could be seen in the value for years to come. Well, what tools do you need to be able to do this? What do you need to feel like you are most supported and most successful? And so when I became a champion for the person, for the people, for the artist, then they were able to relax and begin to trust. So I knew that that was my skill set. 
I didn't need to be the artist and be the visionary to know how this video or this uh collection was going to end up, you know, through, through the print media, all I needed to do was get the tools and to help the artist believe in themselves. So I got to do that for about a year and a half. And then one day I got called into the president at the time, his name was Luke Jacob Ellis and he, and Jason Gates, who is now our current president, they were talking with me and they said, um, Hey, Mara, we, we, we have this idea. We think, we think you'd be great. Do you, do you, do you want to, what is it? We have this, we have this idea. We think you'd be great. We don't know exactly what it is, but do you want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> and then I went, but, 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 but what is it? And they said, corporate culture ambassador. We think you'd be great. Now, I had never heard of this before, and our company had never had one of these before. There was no bar that I needed to or I could measure myself against. Um, I just said, I just said, okay. I just said, yes. And so honestly, that's how this title came to be. Now, the thing that's interesting about something that's made up or brand new is a lot of different people can have a different idea of what is this. So at one point in time, I had input from five different people. So I spent time out in the road visiting salons, which was wonderful because I got to get inside the heart of the the hairdresser and be able to share the culture within our of our company inside a small salon and to be able to see how 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 a salon could operate just like a large corporation could. But it's because it's all based on relationship. Yeah, that was that was one aspect. Another was philanthropy. Okay, so Mr. DeJoria wants me to be boots on the ground, a clone for him because he's very busy all around the world spreading his magical fairy dust. So when he can't be someplace, send Mara. Oh, so now I'm standing on stages in front of thousands of people and giving speeches on behalf of. John Paul, or maybe I'm swimming with um, children that are of special needs and we're working on surf therapy, or maybe I'm holding 40,000 bees one day because John Paul wanted me to go and check on some bees. Okay. There's that. Oh, guess what? We, for the last 13 years have been bringing in a third party to teach our employees, the philosophies of, of John Paul DeJoria. But guess what, Mara? John Paul says one day, I don't know why I'm paying somebody else to do this. You could just do this. I'm thinking, but John, wait, what? And he says, you you just write a new class. You write a new curriculum. And then all of our team members will go ahead and do that. Now, this former (laughs) company that we brought in was had a team of PhDs behind it. Tried and proven curriculum. I had lived, you know, however many number of years at that point you trusting me okay so i have that on the list so i need to create a curriculum that every employee is going to be going through um gosh it's so is it is it is it mainly a mixture because i obviously i know you know somewhat of what you do and i always had this impression that it was primarily what you alluded to a minute ago, representing uh, JP in his numerous philanthropic uh, ventures, because essentially that's what he does now, isn't it? I know that John Paul and Angus and the company, et cetera, are involved with many, many different organizations. And I, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have, have seen uh, Good Fortune, the movie. So they would, you know, be aware uh, that that uh, that there's a lot that goes on outside of the company. Um, and and so I, I was sort of thinking that you were primarily spearheading that side of things. But it's not just that. You're doing those external things, but then you're also doing a lot of internal things about creating a healthy internal uh, culture within a very big company. Yeah. Beautiful, beautifully, beautifully stated. And I actually really, gosh, it's always interesting when you get to listen and talk with somebody else to echo back 
<laughs> what it is that you're saying or what it is that you're doing, because what you've just described, Anthony, is a healthy ecosystem, body, organism, right? Because you need to be healthy on the inside to be able to be healthy on the outside, right? Yeah. And the work yeah. that we do on our inner is going to reflect on the outer. So absolutely right. So, and it's, and it's beautiful. And now that's making so much more sense as to what I do. Thank you for that. Yeah, actually, <laughs> and what you just said, the work on the inner is going to reflect on the outer and it goes the other way as well. That the work the company does externally reflects on what happens internally because, you know, the, the culture of a salon or the culture of a, you know, billion-dollar corporation, it's still, it's either working or it's not working. And, um, you know, it's not just me saying this. Obviously, a lot of people talk about the culture that exists within the brand is a very, it's, it's as I alluded to it before, it's a big business, but it's got the heart of a small business. And, and I think a lot of that is because, it's still a family-owned company, and it's got very family-grounded sort of values within it about giving back, et cetera. And you you threw in one a minute ago when you were talking, uh, and you mentioned something called surf therapy. Uh, and I know that that is one of the many different um organizations that you know that that you you know focus on or or you know you're very much involved with um you know supporting through you know the company through John Paul uh and uh, and I know that there's about 60 others ballpark at any one time which is huge and that a lot of that doesn't ever get any airplay and I think it's important that it does get some airplay but if someone said to me okay out of all the different companies that I see the company involved with or different different um philanthropic causes what would my favorite one be? And my favorite one would be what you just mentioned was this thing called surf therapy. And I, unfortunately, I haven't been there to do it, but I saw video of it. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that and, uh, and, and how you would, because obviously you know what all these different organizations are, how you would rate surf therapy in amongst all the others, because you must see some great, you know, some incredible impact that goes on out there as a result of what you do, as a result of what the company does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have that in common. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to say which one's your favorite, but I do love a walk on water organization is the surf therapy organization that I get to work with. There are several others that uh, give back and, and, conduct surf therapy around the planet, but a walk on water is the one that we are closest to. And I'll tell you the story, how this even came to be. It was pretty great. Um, here in America, we have a, a Memorial weekend. It's a three-day weekend. It's a big traffic weekend. There's lots of people driving to get to wherever they want to be. So I remember I was stepping foot into yoga. Okay. And it's, it's a, it's a Sunday of the three day weekend, stepping a foot into yoga. My phone rings. Now, if it was anybody else other than John Paul DeJoria, I would have let that go ahead to go to silence and I would have continued on my way. But when my phone rings and I see that it's John Paul, I always stop what I'm doing and I answer it say, hello, John Paul. He says, Mara, hello. I'm so sorry to bother you. He's always very sweet and respectful of um, personal downtime, right? Mm -hmm. I would not call you on a weekend unless it was very important. So what, what is it, John Paul? And he's got, he sounds choked up. What's, what's going on? He says, I am in Ventura, California right now. How quickly can you get here? Ventura is on a good day without traffic about 40 minutes away from Los Angeles. I said, I said, John Paul, I can, I can, he says, he says, can you get here? I just saw the most amazing thing. I'm here with my wife, Eloise, and we just came down to this event and there are all these children there. They have special needs, but they're going surfing. They're going surfing. They may be, their bodies may be completely locked up. Some of them are autistic, um, but they're going, they're going surfing and they're doing these remarkable things. And I just want us to help. I need to get going because he need, he John Paul is very fortunate because he can move along quickly because he has a private plane. I myself do not. 
I have a car. (laughs) (laughs) So he needed to get going to his next destination. I turn and leave the yoga studio and I get into my car. Now on a good day, I said it's 40 minutes on this particular day. It took three hours. Okay. So I get there just in time for them to be loading everything up. But I stopped and I watched and I, and I was able to find the director of this organization and they invited me to go to like, hadn't have a, you know, a bite to eat. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm listening and it's all these surfer dudes. Okay. And they're sitting in a circle and they're talking about the high point of their day where one just had an autistic child that is nonverbal speak for the very first time. Um, another one, again, an autistic child where normally he's, you know, too locked up and he's distant. Well, something happens with the rhythm of the water. Something changes the, the, the neurological tendencies within the mind where these kids, they come out of their, that state for just, even just for a moment, they come in and they greet their parents and they're able to make eye contact and they're being able to say hello. And you see parents just crying because they're having this connection with their child for maybe for a lot of them, the very first time when their kids are out and and they're surfing, the parents get to take this deep breath where they know that their children are in good hands. A lot of them get to go and hold hand in hand. If, if they have partners, they get to go hand in hand and go and have a cup of coffee together, which is something that they never get to do because they're always all hands on deck working with their children. So not only is it just surf therapy in the water for the athlete is what we call the child. But it's also therapy for the family. Siblings get to go out. The parents get to take a deep breath. It's all free for the families. And it's just it's just meant to have every single member feel held and swaddled and be able to take a great big breath while their feet are in the sand and their bodies are in the ocean. Yeah. So that's one of So, so it's the... They're professional surfers, if that's the right word. And they, yes, that's- they take these kids on their board with them and they take yes, them out they into the into yes. the surf and they, yes. they they look after them out there and they have they these breakthroughs. You. It's incredible. I mean, you I've, have I've a seen surf, that. Have a surf- Instructor. Yeah. yeah, you have a surf instructor and then you have somebody like me where I don't surf, but I do know how to swim. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll have a child that at first he's he or she screaming, yelling, you know, they're punching um, at some point. Someone it would feel like they're like drowning because they're they're drowning me. OK, yeah. because they're flailing. But you just calm them with the rhythm of your voice and the love that's coming from your heart. And you get to convince them to lay on their bellies on the surfboard with their surf instructor. And then I will push them both out to sea. Yeah. And then they come back happy and wanting only more. Yeah. I've seen videos of it. And, and if it doesn't. Uh, as we were saying before I started recording, if it doesn't move you when you see those videos, it, it, you need to check your pulse, basically, uh, because you know, it's it's very touching to see that power that uh, that, that can have on, on these kids having breakthroughs and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I know that's not fair to sort of ask you to pick uh, one particular cause, but it, it is a it is a special one. I'm sure you've got loads of stories about other causes as well. Um, one of the things I know that you're passionate about is, um, and and this it, it sort of came to a crescendo. Um, I can't even remember now. Was it a year ago or two years ago? I've lost all track of time. And that was the the whole uh, George Floyd Black Lives Matter thing uh, and. Uh, I know that you were very instrumental in, um, what's the word, in getting behind looking at the culture of the company, looking at how the country could, the company, sorry, could be uh, more inclusive and how, you know, how every business should address things like that. And I even saw a... uh, a presentation that your mother did. I didn't even realize it was your mother at the time uh, on a thing called Juneteenth. Now, I think most Americans will know what Juneteenth is, but can you talk to us 
about that side of what you do, Juneteenth and, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter thing, the importance of diversity in business, um, you know, uh, getting more inclusion, you know, all that sort of stuff, because I thought there was some fantastic, um, you know, insights that came out of that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it was it really was incredible. Right. This is this happened after covid lockdown. Right. And then we as a planet, it was it, it stemmed in America. But I know the entire globally, we all were connected to the death of George Floyd and social injustice um, within with. What's interesting about me and you guys can't see me that are listening right now. I'm very fair complected, but I am I am half black and I'm half white. And it's it's interesting for me because because of my fair skin, I feel I, I will not, I do not have the experience of being a dark, dark complected black person in America. OK, so. But my mom is my mom is dark skin. And so through her and, you know, people often not even knowing that she's my mother. Right. From when I was a very little small child where people thought that she was my my nanny, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's my mom. So for my own personal experience, um, because people don't know that I am black, sometimes I have heard them say very ugly things. And it's been interesting because I've been able to just hear that dialogue or that school of thought and just put that in my pocket. Sometimes I would correct them. Sometimes I would just kind of put it in my pocket and just know, okay, that's how this person thinks. That's not how I think. That's not what I believe in. I'm going to go ahead and keep them at arm's length. You know, so it's yeah. been interesting. But but to your to your point, when this happened, it was a wake up call for corporate America specifically, because it was finally time to there was no there was no hiding. People wanted action. They wanted change. They wanted it now. And with this unrest, people looked to corporations to say, what are you doing? We are tired of being quiet. We are tired of not having a voice. We are tired of not having equity. We are tired of underrepresentation. We are calling you out. We want to know what are you doing? You know, and for as a company of John Paul Mitchell Systems, now this is a company at that point, 40 years young, and the company is run by mainly women, which is really, really cool. I myself was raised by a single, a single mother within this company. You have met so many other single mothers. I don't know. I don't know if it's because John Paul DeJory was raised by a single mom and that's just kind of what has been attracted or to to his company. Um, but being a, number one, the company had John Paul also has been a voice down to the, the tiniest little organism that you may or may not even have seen or have known about. John Paul has led advocacy to and has been a voice to he, all across for all humanity. He's always lifted and raised up and always wanted to um be a place of inclusivity. I opened talking about the story where he said, remember, Mara, this is a place for everyone. This is, we are for everyone. So to at, at first, when we started getting call outs about lack of representation through uh, perhaps imagery or is our hair care product meant for every person or what are these things? At first it for myself personally, I was defensive because I love this brand. I love this company. It's my family. I, it's, you know, at that point, it was what 12 years of my life living and leaving in, and I was defensive. But when you take the opportunity to let down the defense, sit back and listen. And then what we did first, Anthony, was lean in to. Um, black employees and black partners, largely coming from our school network. We have John Paul Mitchell systems. Uh, there are Paul Mitchell schools, which are cosmetology schools, which I understand may be different, have a different term in the UK. What do you, what do you call them there? 
just hairdressing schools. It's just the word. The oh, word cosmo, yeah, the word cosmetology is not used so much, but uh, okay. Yeah, so so people would you know hairdressing school or hairdressing college, but most people here uh, will go through an apprenticeship, so they don't go to a a school like you know you do in the states where everybody goes for tertiary education, essentially goes to a school. Um, so and in the hairdressing industry, obviously, it's cosmetology school where they do a whole uh, a whole thing that isn't just on hair. You know, it's hair, skin, and nails. Uh, right. where, whereas outside of the states, pretty much everywhere else will have some sort of apprenticeship system, and it will be very specific. So hair would be very different to beauty. So yeah, what? yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, for uh, what we did when when. The death of George Floyd and we recognized we needed to raise our level of awareness. We cast our net open wider. So we included the hairdressing schools, which are called Paul Mitchell schools. And we listened to um, educators, to school owners, to directors. And at first, the conversation was very heated. You know, there was this this boiling point where um, black America was angry. And, and fed up and just took this opportunity to just erupt, which is why you are seeing if you turned on the news and you saw people in the streets and just furious with with being mistreated, mm. you know. And so we just listened and and we were not defensive when we saw areas. It's interesting when somebody holds a mirror to you. And if you take the time and if you're still enough. You go, okay, wow, there are areas where we can do better. Mm. You know? And and so from as a company standpoint, no apologies, because we've been doing the best that we we've known how or was on our radar. And it was such a blessing to be invited, is what I would say, invited to open the scope of awareness and to become that much more inclusive um, on a focused, aware level. Per, mm. per, something that changes when you change your intention, right? And the intention now is to be able to, we, we want to be the hair care brand truly for everyone. Do we make hair care product for uh dark skinned people, light skinned people. No, we make hair care product for various different textures. But within that, we want you to have a strong understanding that we understand your community and we are here to support your community. And it's all about when I when I asked my my mom about equity, my mom said she had to explain it to me. She said, Mara, it's it it's not about not that we don't feel equal. We feel equal. It's about being able to have the opportunity to be a part of the equity, to be able to be a decision maker and to be able to support and to profit and to benefit the community as much as anybody else. Are we invited to the table? Oh, huh. Didn't ever think about it that way. Right. And I don't think that anybody is really maliciously working in one way. I think that especially in this world, we're so fast and we're just trying to get through our lists, right? And you only know what you know. And that's that's what is right here on your radar. But when you take the opportunity and you get to invite and have include more people around your table, the narrative changes, the story changes and you go, Wow. Like, Anthony, what you get to do is phenomenal. You get to talk with people from all kinds of different diverse backgrounds. That brings a different perspective and a different school of thought. Oh, so with every conversation, Anthony, you are walking away that much more educated Mm. and your level of awareness and your scope and your perspective widens. And you go, oh, now you get to see a little bit more about how Mara thinks. And I get to spend a little bit more time and go and have an understanding of how Anthony processes information. Mm. How do you, how do you, if you're a salon owner listening to this, wherever Mm -hmm. uh, in the world, when we get listeners in over 60 different countries, but how do you 
take that on board. Like, like, what does that look like in your salon? How do you represent more uh, inclusion and diversity? What does that look like? That's a beautiful question. Well, number one, what is your storytelling from your windows, right? So for me, Mara Salon, I want to make sure that Mara Salon is a safe place or a welcome place for every every background to come on in because because I want everybody to feel welcome. That's that's a north star for me personally as a human mm-hmm. being. I, I thrive on making sure that other, others are welcome. And as at Mara Salon, I'm so educated on all different hair texture. Everybody's welcome because I'll make sure that you are going to leave feeling even better out of my chair because I'm that good. Right. So, (laughs) so number one, what are your windows telling you? Mm -hmm. So do you, are you showing um, diverse models now at John Paul Mitchell systems? That was one of the things that we focused on was whole new imagery campaigns, making sure that we represent every color of the rainbow. Right. Because when we took, that was one of the things, the first things that we did when we took a step back and we looked, what is our marketing? saying, are we saying that we are for everybody? Mm. Oh gosh, we could do a better job at representation. So as a salon, I would number one, look at the imagery. Mm -hmm. What are you, what are you sharing? And then number two, making sure that the people working within your salon are knowledgeable of all these different hair textures and then, and cultures, right? Because the best way that you can make somebody feel truly welcome and beautiful is for them to be understood. So is this a Pacific Islander? Is it a black person? Are they Asian? What is this? What are their norms, their traditions, their customs? How do they take their tea? Right. Um, are they comfortable with what, what is the greeting? Right. So we want to take the time to understand these various different cultures. Number one, it's fascinating to learn about different different traditions and foods. And I love, you love stories, Anthony. I love hearing stories about, oh, tell me about when you were making dumplings with your grandmother. Wow, and why, and, or, or tamales during on New Year's, right? Hearing, and, and people become enlivened and, and they're proud of their family heritage. So you wanna do the window dressing, but then also the skill set. Because, right, we feel comfortable when we know what we're doing. Right? So you want to make sure that you, education is fun, right? And so we want to make sure here today, more than ever, to make sure that our hands can do the talking for us. But then also that we know how to greet and we know how and there's, there's strong understanding. So that way, when I come into Anthony's salon, he understands how to make me feel truly beautiful, which is from the inside out and the outside in. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, this sort of dovetails with is what we were talking about, I think it was before we started recording. And I was talking to you about a thing that I know you do within the company, and that, that is that you're heavily involved in onboarding new mm-hmm. people into the business. So with what you've just been saying, and again, for the salon owner that's listening to this, I know you have a responsibility to onboard people into a big corporation and into the culture that exists. What are some of the takeaways there for the salon owner who might only have two or three or four staff to to reflect on what you're saying now and make that relevant to them or something tangible that they do differently tomorrow that uh, in, it's a in terms of the onboarding? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful question. Anthony, if I was a salon owner, I would make onboarding a, a thing. And actually, believe it or not, at John Paul Mitchell Systems, it has just recently within the last few years become a thing. When I was hired in 2008, here's how it went for me. I was working in the Santa Clarita office. I had a beautiful office given to me. I had a computer given to me. I was told, get to know the server. Okay. Two, my boss actually worked two hours away from the office. She calls me two weeks later and 
irritated with me and said, what are you doing? What have you, I said, I'm getting to know the server because that was my last instruction. I mean, I probably poked around in files. I did not belong in. Okay. And she said, well, you need to be with Brianna. I said, who's Brianna? She said, well, she's there in the office. You go find her and you have her give you something to do. I never felt so small. And I thought to myself, if I'm ever in a position where I can make sure that this doesn't ever happen to somebody else, I will. So when I was given this corporate culture ambassador role, that was one of the first things I changed was when somebody was hired, then I would get to them on their first day of school, so to speak, and say, hi, I'm Mara, and I'm going to show you around the office. I would show them around. We have two locations that are about 40 minutes apart, and I would take them around one by one to each office of whomever was in that day. And this is how I would would say it. I would introduce the person and I'd say, this is Anthony. And I would say, and Anthony, what is it that you do for the team? Okay. That's a very important word, the team. And then Anthony would get to say, right. And then I would say to the new hire, and what is it that you, what is your contribution that you have been hired to do? And then now the newbie would get to say, I'm, you know, their name and, and their new role and, they would shake hands and be able to go, okay. And then it would go from office to office to office. And the beautiful thing about this organization, John Paul Mitchell Systems, is the tenure of people, the length of stay. People stay 30 years, 28 years, 19. And do you know what it feel like on your very first day when you join this company to meet somebody that still has this enthusiasm and this great big smile on their face? And they've been working for over 30 years. Well, gosh, that makes this new hire feel like, okay, I'm in the right place. So that's how, and then I would give them tours and show them how to order lunch and, and be their buddy for the day. Because the hardest thing about when you first start a job is to know where, who to go to for what, right? And what I recognize, so in a salon, the biggest thing that you can do is wording. Words are so important. Words create worlds. So in your salon, what is your, what are you most proud of? What are you known for? What is the culture within your salon? Um, do you, do you do philanthropic um do you, do you give back? Do you have like, would you on Wednesdays when a portion of the haircuts all go to blank or is there, what is the culture, whatever, whatever it is, celebrate it and let this person come forward and, and be able to be proud to be a contributor of your salon. Um, make sure that everybody gets introduced to one another. The thing that I recognize too about team is that there's a breakdown if there's not a healthy respect for one another. So it's really important to know what every person does. And just because you're not seeing them doing it, because maybe they come in at night and you come in in the morning, doesn't mean that they're just sitting around not doing something. So that's something that I think is really important in the onboarding is understanding who does what Mm, to go to. Yeah, Yeah. no, exactly. And whether you are a big, you know, billion dollar corporation or a salon with two or three people in it, it's just the principles of it are the same everywhere, isn't it? Like making sure that people understand your culture, your values, what's important to you, what you stand for and what each other do. You know, so good, good point. Um, Look, the, the last thing I wanted to finish up on is I know you are very passionate you've already mentioned yoga uh, but in the context of you didn't get to go that particular day uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I know that that yoga and health and fitness and and wellness etc is all very very important to you and I know that you've even sort of integrated that into your role as this culture corporate sorry cultural ambassador uh, Talk to us about that. How do you, again, like as a salon owner, how do you look for ways to integrate this sort of stuff into part of your company culture? Because you've done that very well. Well, It's a beautiful question. Um, I think it really goes back to 
understanding that we all have our own unique values, right? And we all bring something different. So when this role was created for me, and then suddenly I found myself doing speaking engagements on large stage, um, I recognized I wasn't breathing and I would be very lightheaded. And I've done yoga for years and years and years. I've traveled the world. I've loved doing yoga retreats, but I started recognizing my, my yoga teachers were speaking and doing yoga at the same time without being out of breath. So I got certified in yoga. So that way I too could learn how to speak and move with and still be able to breathe. Hmm. (laughs) And then, Right. And because and because I love yoga so much because it helps manage my stress level and make my body feel better. I started teaching to the warehouse and all of our different um, team members and just and it was and it was beautiful. So what brings you joy and what you're excited about? And if you have a gift that you can share, share it. That's that's my my number one thing. And I think that is is it. But anything that enlivens you, you're most likely you're not the only one. And anytime that you get to give, I mean, I don't have to tell this audience here, you're hairdressers. You get to make people feel beautiful every day. I, I am myself, I'm not a hairdresser, but I, but I love to give. So anything that you can do to share is, is, going to enrich you from the inside outside in and the inside out um health and wellness is very important to me i myself i look at i look at my body this is my vessel this is my this is my ferrari okay so i'm not going to put cheap fuel in my ferrari i'm not going to forget to get the oil changed i'm going to do what i can to make this last because i really only want to spend as many years on the planet as my vessel feels good because I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be rolling around in a hoopty and be in the shop all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, got it. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard a, I heard a really good analogy about that recently. Uh, really? Was, well, what it was this, it was this, if when you were, you know, 15 or something, you know, whatever mm-hmm. age, um, and I gave you a car and I said to you, now, Mara, this is the only car you are going to have for your entire life. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get another car. Would you then look after it? Would you clean it? Would you polish it inside and out? Would you get it serviced regularly? If there was a scratch on it, would you get it fixed and, and maintained? And the answer is, yeah, of course I would. And so the analogy is, is that the car is your body. You know, you only get given one of them and you need to look after it like you would look after it if it was a car that, you know, you were, you were only ever going to get one of. But anyway, that's that. that, that I, I, I know that that resonated with me as being, wow, that's that's a good, uh, a good analogy. With uh, just just one last thing I wanted to ask you is, is, is what sort of impact have you seen that these you know, various programs have, you know, health and wellness, all the things we've touched about, what sort of impact do they have in the workplace? I believe in the workplace, it makes people feel cared for and and seen. So I myself, I'm an employee, right? I like being seen as Mara June Gordine, the human being, the person, not Mara June Gordine, number 86539, paper pusher, you know, you know, yeah. I, I, so having these, these programs that are catered for us, the individual, the human being makes me feel like, wow, this company actually really cares about me and my, my well-being and my happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me want to stay. That helps me to be engaged. That helps me to be more productive because I'm not apathetic. I feel cared for and I feel a part of a larger whole. Mm-hmm. Um, during the lockdown, they gave us a membership to um headspace which is a like a mental health and and meditation site just that alone i thought was so kind when we're in a place where now people are talking more about mental health but before it was a bit taboo yeah, yeah. um 
you know, little things like that. It just made me go, wow, they're looking out. They care. That's not just trying to like suck me dry and get whatever output I have. And then, you know, cast me to the wind. They want to, they want me to be healthy and to be happy and for my family to be as well. Yeah. So I think that's amazing. And I think it's so important to have in the workplace. If yeah. you want to retain happy, healthy people, it's yeah. reciprocity. Exactly. Well, listen, we have uh, run out of time. We need to start wrapping up, but I think that's the perfect place to to finish up anyway. Um, are you someone who is on social media? The reason I'm asking is, is if people wanted to reach out and connect with you, uh, are you on Instagram or other social media channels? You know what? I am not. <laughs> I am not, Anthony. I'm not. And if, and I would, and, and I know I, I live under a rock, Um I would love to be able to connect with, with everybody. I don't, is it, is it dinosaur to give out an email? <laughs> is it, well, is there any particular websites uh, or Instagram accounts that you'd point people towards? I can point to my, my husband's Angus Mitchell. He's on Instagram. <laughs> yes, and he is. You know what? I quit my Facebook in to, to Facebook to, to 2013. Yeah. And let me tell you why I remember the day I was, it was when it was even before Instagram was even a thing and I'm on Facebook and I'm looking at people having brunch with friends and walking on the beach and going on hikes or traveling the world. And I looked up and two hours had gone by. And where was I? On my couch, yeah. not having brunch, not hiking, not on the beach, not traveling the world. Mm. And you know what? I felt sad. Yeah. So I immediately canceled everything, quit it all. And I went out to brunch and I went hiking and I went to the beach and I traveled the world, Anthony. Good, good. <laughs> and I've not looked back since, but Angus, Angus Mitchell, um, he's, he's my, my beautiful husband and he is good with Instagram and I would love to be able to connect that way. Great. Well, I, I will put that link uh, in the show notes today. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast with Mara Gordine and you've enjoyed it, then do me a favor take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your uh, Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple podcast app. So, to wrap up, Mara, it's been really nice to have this opportunity to uh, ask you all these questions about this, you know, mysterious job role that you had, <laughs> and, and, and to get a bit more clarity around it. But also, I'm always looking at, at ways for, you know, how you can take the success of big corporations that are successful for a reason. And how you can transplant that into smaller salon businesses. So, thank you for sharing those little nuggets of of, of wisdom that uh, salon owners everywhere have been listening to. So, uh, to wrap up, Mara, thank you for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. Anthony, truly an honor. Thank you so much for having me, and I, I could not be more proud of you. Thank you for for sharing so much love and advice with the planet. We are all always so much better because you are in it. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.